Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Steelers pregame podcast on DK Sports Radio. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and I'm joined by Chris Carter, the NFL analyst at DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Carter brings to this program uh, a wealth, uh, a, a bevy of knowledge. What else have you for in terms of nouns here, Carter, for what you bring? Well, let's see. I, I I got a bank of knowledge. Bank, he um, says. Okay. I, I've I've got a canyon of knowledge. Oh, see, canyons I think of as being very hollow, Carter. Not, yeah, 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 not yeah, full but, of much. But think about it. Like if you fill if you fill the canyon with everything I know, then it's no longer a canyon, and oh, that's where I'm going with it. I see. So if you fill the canyon, for example, with all of the people on the staff who correctly predicted Washington defeating the Steelers last week. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Just checking here. Steelers versus Bills at 8.20 p.m. Uh, kickoff. It's a national broadcast on NBC locally on our partners at WPXI. And the Bills are 9-3. and three. They have a quarterback <laughs> that a lot of people are talking about around football, and, and, and rightly so, in Josh Allen. Uh, unusual kind of a throwback style to his game, a good running game overall for them, a defense that not a lot of people can figure out considering how strong they were for most of 2019 and kind of not this year. Um, is this really, let's start with this, Carter, is this really an A-list matchup? Oh, absolutely. Uh, anytime Why? you get, well, Josh Allen's playing at a level that's like, just below the MVP par of Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes right now um, because of what he brings as a runner and a thrower. And uh, I think people are realizing, like, man, this kid's really stepped up this year, and he's still facing off against the best defense in the NFL. Um, so th- I think that is – that's, you know, that's front – that's that's get everyone to the TV. I want to watch this. And, again, the Bills are 9-3. and three. They're the, – you know, everyone's been waiting, you know, for the Bills to become relevant. Uh, they're out there. They're the front runners in the AFC East now. And now you got the Steelers who've been the front runners for, you know, this for, you know, most of the, well, pretty much all of this season once they got into that win streak. So, uh, so yeah, um, this, this is absolutely going to be exciting. Um, and everyone wants to see, you know, can the Steelers rebound? Because that's the number, that's one of the, the, the biggest talking points when it comes to the national approach to covering the Steelers is, are they for real? You know, in, you know, throughout winning 11 games. And then eventually you're like, oh, they finally lost one. See, I told you they're going to lose one. Um, that you know that everyone wants to see can they rebound against that or can the bills say hey we deserve to be among that the the chiefs and the steelers as the top afc teams as well Well, let's talk about that because why aren't they see here's the thing it it was cute a couple of years ago when andy dalton 
got the Bills into the playoffs. And for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, Andy Dalton was playing for the Bengals at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and by virtue of Cincinnati winning a game, uh, Andy Dalton became a civic hero in Western New York <laughs> and was duly applauded for it the following year, if you'll recall. It was great when he, he and the Bengals came out. It was I think it was for a preseason game, right? Yeah, it was a preseason game. Uh, yeah. didn't, didn't he get like unlimited buffalo wings or something like that? For life. Yeah. Like, like life. if he, if he like, goes yeah, to Buffalo, he, he can get wings for however long he wants. But that was cute. And then last year when Josh Allen, I think, really started to mature, the defense really took off. And then now this year the defense has taken significant steps backward. And I, I look at this team at nine and three. I look at the rest of the division, in particular the Patriots having fallen off, which was the only way anybody was ever going to take over that division. And I don't get the sense that there are people around football that take Buffalo seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you don't hear them ever mentioned. Like you even hear the Rams in the NFC now. Everyone talks about the Rams. The Rams have a, a same the same level of. Uh, performance in the standings as the bills do but you never hear about the bills why is that i think it's partially star power uh you know one we've known for years about the about the rams they you know they have aaron donald the best defensive yeah. player in football maybe the best player in football they have jalen ramsey who's been the best cornerback in football for quite some time you know jared goff isn't a top tier quarterback but he's one that he's people not. are like oh but uh, you know he's someone we can respect they got cooper cup at the receiver position and you fill that out with players like taylor rapp and other guys that are really athletic and make that team go People, I think, were more ready to accept, hey, that team's going to make a push forward. Whereas when you look at the Bills, Josh Allen, okay, he's young and everyone's still waiting to see, like, you know, is he going to keep doing this? Um, and they added Stephon Diggs, but then you got Tredavious White, and really the other guys on their defense haven't become the super-duper stars, even though they're yeah. really talented. Ed, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Jonathan Proyer, you know, they've got guys who are very good on defense. They just don't have the high profiles yet. See, I, I, I mean – I look at, at, at Diggs in the season that he's having, and he's been wonderful. Uh, he, he really has. He's a, he is a top talent. But what you don't see, and this is one of the things that I talk about as it relates to the Steelers a lot, uh, if you're going to get respect in the NFL, you have to do it through splash. I really believe that. If you think of the way the Sunday night highlight shows and everything else are put together, it's all about the splash. No one says, hey, look how efficient this offense has been. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the same thing. You know, They want to see the razzle-dazzle. Buffalo does not do a lot of that. The, only, the closest Buffalo comes to making like big, you know, like highlight reel type plays is when Josh Allen just says, you know what? I'm not a quarterback in 2020. I'm a quarterback from 1965, and I'm just going to run through the middle of your line and knock your teeth out. That's mm -hmm. about it. I mean, the, there's he does have a huge arm, and that's been a huge factor. I mean, uh, you know, with with Stephon Diggs, when John Brown was around, that guy was, mm -hmm. you know, he 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 was a, he was a deep threat they could use. But they've only he's only been around for seven games this year. Um, but you know, you look at some of the touchdowns, their long touchdowns or their longest receptions. Stephon Diggs got a forty-nine yard. Even Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley, small, small, small little guy. He's got a 35-yarder. Gabriel Davis, who's really stepped up this year for him, he's got a 44-yarder. Um, even Devin Singletary, the running back, has got a 34-yarder. They, they've, had, they've had some splash on offense. I, I think the big thing is that, again, 
you look at those names, nobody jumps off the jump jumps and said, I want to watch Cole Beasley play play today. Now they'll do that for Stephon Diggs. I think people might start doing that for Gabriel Davis because he lead the team with five touchdown receptions. And you know, and they, but again, it's it's the Bills, and people are like, I think a lot of people are thinking like, oh, you're doing well because the Patriots aren't here. Aren't you, aren't you guys cute? And uh they really shouldn't do that because this team does have a lot of talent on it. Um, I really like Tredavious White. I really like Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Jonathan Poyer, Micah Hyde. They, they got a lot of chemistry on defense. They just haven't made it work this year a lot. But they've also been good situationally. I think it was the same reason why a lot of the national media dissed the Steelers for so long. Because, like, the Steelers, they were even less of a big play offense than the, uh, the than the Bills. They they were they screamed efficiency and just dink and dunk and work your way down the field. And you're thinking, like, man, that's boring. I can't talk about that on my show. So I'm just going to slam them. Um so they're a little bit of a victim of that. But at the same time, I, mean, I think that anyone would be silly to sleep them. And that's why the Steelers, they, they when everybody that's spoken about them is like, no, these guys are for real. Before we go to break, uh, but the, when you look at the rest of the Steelers' schedule, is Buffalo the, the best team? I really think so. Or really is it think- Indianapolis? Is it Indianapolis? Dang. DK with just the, the little sneak diss in there. He says, forget about Cleveland. He's not even going to acknowledge them. Um, oh, I didn't, actually don't. I didn't even think of them, honestly. That, that's my the point. Last, the last, last time I saw them, they were losing by 31. <laughs> the last time I laid eyes on them. No, that's that's the thing, DK, is that. I'm with I'm I'm with you. It's funny. Like I'm also like I'm mindful that the Browns have have you know put together a winning record, and I think they actually have the same record as the Bills. But but here's my thing: is they're still the Browns, and when they play, we'll see how they do Monday night when they take on the Ravens. Because if they'll the Ravens, lose, if if the they'll Ravens lose. slap them around again, it's going to be the ultimate, it's going to be the ultimate sign. Like, hey, you don't belong here. But to answer your question, yes, the Bills are the best team. Um, I I feel weird about the Colts because I like a lot of their pieces, but Philip Rivers. Like I just, I just, they they could have gotten so many other people that would have made that work. I actually think the Colts would be a great landing spot for Carson Wentz if that really comes to an end in Philadelphia. That's a whole other story. Uh, but yeah, I'd say this is the biggest test the Steelers are going to get because John, uh, um, uh, when you when you're when you're dealing with with the Bills and you got to consider Josh Allen. He's he's the kind of quarterback that can hurt you in so many different ways, like the quarterbacks they're going to face when they get to the playoffs if they go up against Lamar Jackson again and Patrick Mahomes eventually. Um, to me, this is this is the best opponent that they'll face. Yep. Uh, with, with respect, in particular, to Indianapolis, his linebackers, which might be the single most underappreciated facet of any of the NFL's thirty-two teams. Uh, these guys are superlative. Uh, they are going to take that team uh, into the playoffs. Uh, but I, I look at Buffalo as a more rounded out team, uh, a team that doesn't have Philip Rivers and or Jacoby Brissett at, at quarterback. Um, the Colts ultimately need to get over the loss of Andrew Luck and go get themselves a real-life quarterback. I disagree with you on, on, on Carson Wentz there. At some point, Indy has to stop being reclamation house <laughs> uh, for for these things and and bring in somebody you know bring in the next Andrew Luck you know this is that's a franchise that's used to having you know uh, the premier the premier quarterback oh the, the golden boy the, the premier quarterback if yeah. not a you know a premier quarterback whatever uh, they've been built on that forever and uh, it, they need to they need to get serious about that in the draft 
this coming year. But Buffalo doesn't. Buffalo is there. Buffalo has their guy for the future. They have their guy for the first time in a very, very long time mm-hmm. at that position. They've come a long way since your guy, Tyrod Taylor, was there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> My guy, he says. As long as, I'm get, as long as I'm getting digs in. Oh, man, you're just going to bring up Tyrod like that just because I said he wasn't the worst quarterback in the league. And you were like, yes, he is. And I'm like, yeah, do, he you actually see, is. do you see Johnny Manziel? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to dig in to the Steelers' offense and what, if anything, can be done to solve that. Welcome back. It's the Steelers' pregame podcast. I'm Dan Kovacevic, and he's Chris Carter, and yep. we're talking about the state of the Steelers' offense entering this game. The best thing I think that that I can begin this conversation with is that I don't believe for one split second they're going to make a significant change for this game, not, not personnel-wise and not schematically. What say you, Carter? I think you might see a little more commitment to the run game at some point in this game. I don't think it's going to be something that it's going to be like, I don't think it's going to be something that you're going to write about and be like, wow, in your column after after the game. I, I think it's going to be something that's small and something that will show out when we start looking at the all 22 and really looking at, okay, what was their alignment here? What was the matchups they were trying to get? Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. But, but also I think a big part of this is going to be execution, right? Because if they catch, if they catch half the passes that they dropped in either Washington or Baltimore, not only do they beat Washington, but they blow away the Ravens. And we're not even talking about this. And how much of that do you do you look on film and say, hey, you know, we can we trust these guys to to turn this around because they were catching the ball through up until those two games, and that this was just a weird situation and we trust they get back? Or do you say, you know what, until they show us that they're not that they're gonna catch the ball, we're gonna adjust these things on offense and it's going to be a question of you know what do they stick to here i'm interested to see which way they go we we have heard that you know maybe they're going to give some different looks and things different looks is one thing a different tight end would be uh far preferable as far as i'm concerned i want vance mcdonald on the football field the only the only and it's like teensy weensy concern that i'd have about that is that vance hasn't been put into a position this year where he's been asked to be uh, the front line tight end. In other words, you know, go ahead and run these routes, Vance, and do this and get open or whatever. That said, I mean, that's riding a bike. Uh, And and we we have seen, including late in the Washington game, where he was the tight end who came onto the field. uh, And, you know, he was running routes. I'm sure he hasn't forgotten them or whatever. You know, this this is just a better football player overall than Eric Ebron is, but especially when Ebron is dropping half of everything that gets thrown his way. Yeah, that's the issue is that Ebron's dropping the passes. Now, Vance McDonald did see, I think, the most snaps he's seen this season last week mm-hmm. with 28. With 28. But yeah. um, but when you look at, at Ebron, a big thing with that is it's not about forgetting to run routes. It's that they designed specific plays for the tight end position this year because mm-hmm. they had Eric Ebron and because he is a better route runner than Vance McDonald. He gets open easier. He can, he can go up and get the ball better when he's catch again, when he's catching it is the issue. And we saw through 10 games, 
that wasn't an issue. He was bringing them in, and and how and you think about how many games he helped close out the Jaguars game with the end of the, at the end of that one, the Cowboys game at the end of that one, the Ravens game. You know, uh, and there's I think there's one or more I'm forgetting in there. And he was he was the extra factor on offense that said, hey, you have to consider our receivers, but also this guy here. Now the question is with Vance, how much can you adapt to the to the versatility that they threw into the tight end positions? Playing yeah, in, I see in that. Offense? That makes sense. I, I just. To me, this is a football team right now that needs to establish some punch. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I I almost use the term literally. Uh, when you have your head coach and your offensive coordinator in the same week call out your offense's lack of physicality, uh, when you have that done publicly, yeah, you need to start hitting people in the mouth. And w- when I look at this Buffalo defense, uh, or even not even just Buffalo, in general, this offense needs to reestablish that element to it. Eric Ebron will not be a part of that. He will not be part of the, hey, go, go hit them. It, it, he wants nothing to do with blocking. He wants nothing to do with even getting touched. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that's, a re- that's one of the reasons for his drops, uh, especially when he, has, when he has his back to the to the secondary and he's yeah. waiting for the ball to come in from from Ben. He's convinced he's going to get clocked. That's why he drops the ball. Uh, Vance McDonald wouldn't do that. Vance McDonald wouldn't back down from anybody, much less openly avoid them the way Ebron did at the goal line that allowed Benny Snell uh, that, to get corralled at the angles. It was embarrassing. Yeah, that play was something else. The, the only thing I want to say about the back to the to the defense plays, I when I look at the film and I slow it down, I think he's looking – it's because he's thinking, get upfield and get yards. And James Washington said that right after the game. He but was he like – he doesn't do that. Ebron doesn't get yards after the catch. This stuff about his athleticism and everything, the numbers don't bear it out. Vance McDonald gets significantly more yards after the catch than Eric Ebron ever has. Why? Because Vance is tough. Vance will turn around and shove his way forward, or he'll do what he did in Tampa and send that guy into the next county. Uh, this is, I don't know. I, I, to me, if you took the field Sunday night as, as a Steelers offense and you sent Vance McDonald out there as your tight end, in addition to everything else you'd be achieving as a plus, you would also be sending a message to everyone on the team, not least of whom is Ebron, mm-hmm. that this kind of performance, like Tomlin said himself, he's not going to tolerate drops. What's going to happen if you keep dropping the ball? You're not going to play. We're going to put somebody else in who won't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I get that. And and I think the other thing with Ebron is that you, you got to realize a lot of teams have stuck glue, stuck on glue to him when he's, when he's caught the ball. And – Vance, like like when Ebron runs a route, DK, they're they're paying attention to him because they've seen how he hurts teams. Vance doesn't get that kind of attention because he has it, and I think that that's going to that's another favor that could work in playing uh, Vance McDonald in in this situation. And Ebron does have, I think, he is the fourth most yak on the team right now. Um, but I, I look at what he at, at what he's doing, and it's the it's what I was saying earlier. James Washington said right after the game, he was like, "We're turning and looking for what we're going to do with the ball before we're catching the ball," mm-hmm. and that's the issue. And it's the same thing with Deontay Johnson and why he's dropping the ball because they're they're thinking, "All right, I've got it secured before you've got it secured," and thinking, "What's the next move?" Forget about that. Possess the football. 
and and get those yards because that's what the Steelers' offense is built on. If, well, if they if they keep hitting yards, even if you don't get the extra yards, you keep hitting on those, you're going to move the football naturally, and it's going to create more opportunities. Well, when we talk about possessing the football, we also have to talk about the fact that they haven't been able to run the ball like at all. Yeah, the past few <laughs> weeks it's been it's been rough. All <laughs> and. Uh, getting James Conner back is is going to make a difference, uh, but not without the run blocking. Uh, and, and what what can or would you do up front? Because it, here again, you can say, I can say, well, put Kevin Dotson in there. But then you start thinking about how to do that and, you know, telling a, an, a, an all-pro and David DeCastro to take a seat or worse, uh, risking – what's been very reliable pass protection getting disrupted. Uh, that's a little bit perilous too. It, it is. Um, I, I also think it shouldn't be out of the, like, you know, Kevin Dotson shouldn't have to, you know, come in and replace David DeCastro. Matt Filer should be on that. Look, I don't understand. People keep saying, you know, put him in for DeCastro. Like, ah, I mean, yeah, DeCastro doesn't play the best, but neither for Filer's getting beat up even worse. Um, and, and, you could at least say with Filer, you can make him that sixth lineman spot because he played right tackle. So um, I, I think that Kevin Dodson could be part of this equation, DK. But I, I look at um, I, I look at how this team's been been working on things. The, the the really the big issue here is that the Steelers, I think, had they had that long week after Baltimore, that would have been the time for the offensive lines to rest up for like four days, and then that that next week say, all right. This is nitty gritty week. We're back on it. We're hitting and we're getting you ready for for things. But they haven't had really that break to say, all right, we're going to ice up for a bit and then we're going to have a really physical couple days of practice here to get back the mojo of what we need to dominate in the hole. Um, yeah, you're talking and, about motivation, Carter. These guys no, 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 no. It's not motivation. It's not motivation. That's it's not what it sounds like. No, if you, uh, if, if you understood how offensive linemen work, you'd understand where I'm going with this. Offensive line needs sometimes to get. It's not about motivation. It's about getting into that into the groove of how to be physical, when to be physical. So many of those small things to win at the point of attack, DK. They you think you have them, and then you don't, and it takes that wake up call in the middle of the season. Oftentimes in a bye week, where you're like, you rest up. Hey, I wasn't getting low enough. Hey, I do need to get my hand here a little. I do need to get a little bit more physical here. And the how you often do that as a coach is you say work these days are designated, get it done, physical days, get it back together. And it's tough to do that when one, everyone's dropping like flies, and two, you have short weeks week after week after week. So that's where I think that that, that is the conflict is that normally you would have them get really physical, but if you get really physical and more people get hurt, then you're even in a worse situation. So it's a tough balance, but the Steelers still do need to figure it out because the way they've been run blocking has been pathetic. Pass protection, the best in the league. Run blocking, arguably the worst. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, without personnel change, uh, and, and obviously there will be one significant personnel change uh, for this for this game and that Marquise Pouncey will be back, which obviously won't hurt. Uh, but I don't know that that's going to be enough. When we come back, let's let's switch up to the other side of the ball and ask the question if this defense is, you know, if it's still all that. Welcome back to the Steelers pregame podcast. I'm Dan Kovacevic. He's Chris Carter. And the Steelers defense, you know, it's, it's reflexive. And you said it earlier in this show already to just say best defense in the league, best defense in the league. But <laughs> when you lose 
two of your most dynamic pieces for the season in Bud Dupree and Devin Bush. You lose two other, just for this game, inside linebackers in Vince Williams and Robert Spillane. And boy, Vince's role in his defense does not get enough uh, enough credit, I, enough acknowledgement. And then on top of that, you're losing Joe Hayden. Um, you know, I like Joe Hayden's replacement a lot, Cam Sutton. I just don't know that I like him at Joe Hayden's spot, uh, but I probably like him better than I would Justin Lane there. Bottom line is we're talking about four or five guys that are missing, and I'm not so sure that we can just say, hey, best defense in the league. Um, but are they going to be good enough? You know, especially at inside linebacker, uh, Avery Williamson, Marcus Allison, we or Marcus uh, Marcus Allen. We have no idea. We just have no idea. Yeah, it's tough to say that this group because again, when you're saying the best defense in football, especially late in the season, sometimes you're dealing with the bumps and bruises. Are they the best defense in football when they're down twelve? You know, twelve guys? Then no. Um, but you know, I think when when if they if they can get back Vince Williams. And Joe Hayden in the in the next couple of weeks, they're they're easily back in right right in that conversation. Um, I mean, and you have to look at their body of work. They've given up the fewest points in the league, the third fewest yards in the league. They have the most forced turnovers, the the least first downs allowed, uh, the most interceptions. They have the fewest. They have that. They have the least amount of time on the field of any team in the NFL when it comes to you know on an average time of possession, the fewest amount of plays, the fewest amount of yards per possession. Like they're they're getting it done. Um, and I think Alex Highsmith has been a good stopgap for the problem at the edge rusher with with Bud Dupree gone. He's not an X factor the way Bud Dupree was. Like for example, I don't. I'm not sure if Bud Dupree's gone for that Ravens game if they win the first Ravens game because remember he had that huge strip fumble on Lamar Jackson in the red zone. Um, and those are the things that Bud br- brought. Alex Highsmith isn't a drop off to say his position is going to be completely negligent. But he isn't the X factor that Bud Dupree is, and that's where the letdown is. Well, and but that's where all of the letdowns are, Carter. That's the point here. This this defense is built on both a playmaking mentality and playmakers. Yeah, um, that's the way it was constructed up front with the elite pedigree mm-hmm. of a lot of these guys: first rounders, second rounders, almost entirely across the scope of the defense. Uh, and even in the secondary, when they gave up the whole tackle the catch concept uh, that, that that Dick LeBeau uh, abided by, they went for guys who make plays on the football. Uh, that's when you bring in a, a Joe Hayden. That's when you know you go and you give up a first round pick for Manka Fitzpatrick. You're mm-hmm. getting aggressive. You're taking away the football. When you take away the playmakers, you're taking away some of the playmaking. Uh, Bud and his impact on this defense can't be overstated if only from the standpoint that teams could never over scheme on TJ Watt at the other side. And even though Washington didn't do this, I would be surprised, stunned if some other team uh, coming forward, maybe even Buffalo doesn't try that uh, where you just say, you know what? We're not going to let T.J. Watt beat us. It's going to be like uh, in- intentionally walking the steroid version of Barry Bonds, where you just say, "I'm not going to. I am. <laughs> I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let him hit because he's cheating. I'm just going to throw around him. I'm going to put him on base because he's cheating. Uh, not that T.J. is cheating, but T.J. is that good that he might as well be. 
Uh, we've seen teams do it to Aaron Donald. Why wouldn't they do it to TJ? That is, these are big, well, big swings. To answer your question, to answer your question, the reason that I don't think they can do it as much to TJ is because you still got two more problems on that defensive front. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, and, know. and and a high Smith may not be again the X factor. You could say, all right, we're not going to double team him, but you still got. I mean, there was there was I've seen several plays where they've tried to double team. They they actually have double team Watt to it and Hayward, and then how that opens up. Vince Williams was, was like, oh, thank you. I'm right here. Or Terrell Evans, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to walk right through this, this this defense here. Robert Spillane, uh, you know, I, I, it opened. When you do that, even the most mediocre players, and not to call anyone I, I just named mediocre, but even the most mediocre player would be like, oh, crap, I, I'm taking this play. Thank you. And that's where they still have the threat. And I'd say the th- the to answer your question as far as, you know, how much more can they lose uh, you know, Bud's gone for the season. Bush gone for the season. Splane probably gone for maybe another game. Yeah, see what happens with Joe Hayden. But the three best players on this defense are still active and playing well. That's TJ Watt. That's that's Minka Fitzpatrick, and that's Stephon to it. If those three guys are still active, this Dude, defense is out, still. You left out Cam. You left out Cam. Oh no, Carter, take it uh, no, back. Cam- Cam Cam is uh, is a part. Of, he's oh, the heart and soul no, of defense. No, but Cam, no. not this season. No, he uh, this season he is he is not in the he's not in the top three. You know why? Because Watt has twelve sacks. To it okay. has eight, has eight sacks. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not getting into top three or whatever, but I'm saying that I would put the four at an almost same level. I don't put Cam at oh, a different oh. level than Cam, I do Stefan To it, Cam Cam's still the man, but. Okay. Is producing at the high level. That's that's all I'm saying. He has eight sacks the day on. The only interior defensive lineman with more sacks than him in the league is no, Aaron I know. Arnold. No, like, I know. That's... No, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that that Cam has been a a disruptor at the same oh, level is. that, oh, that Stephon has. Uh, I, I look. I, I understand that there are still pieces there. I understand that some of their best pieces are still there. Um, I just think when you keep losing X factors here, it's 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 dangerous. Actually, it's not even an opinion. It just it just yeah, is. It is. Uh, your defense is going to take a, a step back if they bring something that is specific and tangible to the equation. Even if they're different, that's a good thing, and that's what I think attracted the coaches immediately to Robert Spillane. Was that even though he was an extremely different player than Devin Bush, they knew that there was some other element that he brought. Yeah, uh, not the sideline to sideline, obviously, or anything like that, but the ability to embrace physical contact, to go at it, all the stuff you know, the 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 hero stuff in in Nashville with Derrick Henry and all that. Uh, he he brought that. That's good. That's what you want. The guy that I want to see that from now is Alex Highsmith. I don't think it's going to be enough for Highsmith to be just, you referred to him as stopgap. I think he was a stopgap in his debut performance. And that is, meaning his debut start, uh, that it was to his credit that he went out there. He had a couple of pressures. I don't know whether they were recorded as such officially, but he got back there a couple of times. Uh, but he needs to be able to either pressure the quarterback, which is something that he's known to have been able to do in college, and the Steelers feel very strongly that he can do it in the NFL, uh, or B, become in a very short period of time uh, an outstanding 
stopper of the rush on mm -hmm. the edge. Uh, I wish more people would have appreciated Bud Dupree's maturation in that oh. area oh, over I, the years. Bud was not good at it for a while. And what, then that, Bud like, got great at it. He, you know, that's the thing. He was, he was, I thought he was actually better. Like when, when Bud was first brought to the Steelers and he finally got healthy in that, or in his first year, you saw an immediate upgrade over him from Jason World's ability to stop the run. Worlds never kept his outside short. But Worlds didn't even want to stop the run. That's not exactly. a comparison. He wasn't but, even interested. But, but it, it was dire for the Steelers to get even what they got yes. with Bud Dupree because him and Jarvis Jones, it was just run to the outside. No one's going to stop you. And when they drafted Bud Dupree, though he wasn't getting sacks, he was turning deep offenses inside of him. And that was mm -hmm. a, a, an important step. And then as he got as he got older and he grew in his game, it became he did that. And then he also collapsed on the inside runs. And then he also sacked the quarterback. And that's where we we saw him the past two years. Um, so uh, Bud deserves credit for that. And can Alex do that? I, I think he's done a like the, the, the short limited amount of tape that we've seen that we've seen in him. Yes, he, he's he's been able to do enough to, to say you're not coming my way. Um, you know, he's not again, not the X factor that Bud is, but. He is getting getting pressure at eight percent of his of his pass rushers right now, and that's where you want to see. That's where you want to say, okay, if he's doing that, that's that that's that's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna be impressive because, um, you know, for example, T.J. Watt right now he's pressuring people at about sixteen point three percent of whenever he's rushing the quarterback, which is just it's insane. insane. It's, it's beyond insane. ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. I mean, it, it's what's the, what's that one in every that's, that's, that's less than one in every 10 pass rushes that he that he that he's make, making you feel him um in in the past in, in when he's blitzing the quarterback but dupree when you looked at his numbers you know it wasn't like tj watt but it was around 11.7 percent so you know which still, is still really really high yeah which is still really good and so with with alex highsmith only in his rookie season only getting a certain amount of steps he's got eight percent i kind of look at that and i'm like you know what he might still be able to be a problem. He does have a sack and an interception on this season. Again, I'm not saying he's Bud Dupree, but if teams teams aren't going to double him, and maybe that's going to be the good thing that lets him get a little bit more active because he is really quick off the ball. There were some pass rush reps um, that he had against Baltimore where he forced a quick throw, um, and it, it didn't get recorded as anything, but it was like, whoa, that was really impressive how he dipped his shoulder under his man and, and got into the pocket. Um, I want to see how he does there, but um, it's going to be a question as far as I think the you know Joe Hayden's ability to make plays in the football this year that should not be understated. Um, Cameron Sutton's a good like he's he's another stopgap guy outside the numbers. Cam Sutton's much more better when he's much more better. Jeez, Carter, um, but. Uh, he's much better when he's playing on the inside and using his flexibility to help in those situations than just forcing him to play outside the numbers. He's Chris Carter. He's much more better than most NFL <laughs> NFL analysts out there. And I'm Dan Kovacevic. And thanks so much for listening today. Steelers versus Bills, 8.20 p.m. Sunday night in Buffalo.